Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help. Check us out to build a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, back again with my co-host, the ever-riding biking Al McDonald. Al, tell us about what is going on in your month right now. Well, a couple things. Number one is August is the Great Cycle Challenge. Again, I've signed up and committed to do 750K this month to raise money for sick kids for cancer. So that's going to be on my agenda and looking forward to spending the month doing that. But I'm also very excited about who we're about to talk to because now this is the second person who is an author and has written a book that we've had on the podcast and who has sent us their book. And the first person, I very much enjoyed reading their book. And this time, I'm so far, I'm about halfway through. And it's very interesting and very captivating. And so I am really excited to have a conversation. Me too. Me too. And it's one of the things that I've said it before in this podcast. We meet really great people. And you know what the funny thing about really great people is? They know other really great people. And that's who we got introduced today. So I'm going to do a bit of a bio before we jump in and, and chat with her. But our guest today is Faith Tull. Faith is a recently published author where she tells the story of her formative years in her first book of her memoir titled Beyond These Eyes. And as Al said, we just got our copies and they're signed and it has a little note inside, which is always so nice. Those mean a lot to me. The book is focused on surviving against the odds with an unwavering desire for social betterment. Her story takes the reader on a journey throughout her childhood in her native country of Jamaica prior to immigrating to Canada. Faith is also a senior award-winning global executive with over 30 years experience serving in such roles as chief people officer, global head of talent, as well as uh, senior vice president, human resources for several multinational organizations. Faith is the principal and founder of Infinite Potential HR Consulting. As well, she is currently consulting and advising small to medium-sized startup organizations as a senior advisor with Mars Discovery District on a part-time basis. She was a former university lecturer instructing in the School of Continuing Education at York University in the disciplines of organizational behavior and human resource management. She serves as an active professional advisory committee board member for the degree programs for two Canadian universities. Faith received the honor of being named Sheridan College Pylon School of Business 2021 Hall of Fame recipient. A dynamic keynote speaker, Faith has appeared on Global News, Morning Show, BNN, CTV, City TV, as well as numerous radio stations. And now, of course, the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Faith enjoys traveling, hiking, gardening, cycling, musical theater, sporting events, and Netflix. And the icing on the cake for her is when she gets to enjoy these events with her daughter, Faith. 
Welcome to the show. After that bio and intro, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, I uh, haven't done a heck of a lot in my life compared to you. So, but we're so happy to have you here and talk to you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Al, don't get any ideas. I'm not that type of cyclist. Uh, it's, it's purely for fun. And, you know, I just keep trying to dodge traffic all the time. So that's a good reminder. If you see our friends out cycling, give them the room that they need because they're on a little bike and generally we're in a, a big car SUV these days. So make sure you give them a bit of room. Faith, I'm not as far into your book as Al. Al's a voracious reader. He is really hard to keep up with these days. But I read the first chapter and I was saying to you before we hit the cord that I really like your writing style. So I can tell already that I'm going to enjoy this. And just from our first conversation, just hearing about your background and what you've accomplished, I'm even more excited to read this book. But can we start with what inspired you to write a book in the first place? Like, where does that come from? I think it started when I was a kid. You know, I, I think I'm a legend in my own mind. And I've always had a story to tell, but I was really shy, very introverted. So I kept it to myself. And through my work in HR, a big part of it is coaching and consulting and mentoring. So in trying to encourage others, I end up sharing my background and my story. And typically what I get is you should write that down. You should tell somebody about that. Nobody would ever guess. And again, it was just over the years of me thinking, I really should. And especially with my plans to climb the corporate ladder, having gotten there, now I'm sort of on this semi-retirement mode, but I just keep going. I keep finding things to do. I really thought it was important to share that. And the other thing too is mainstream media doesn't talk a lot about you know the underdogs as much and what it takes to get there. And I really felt compelled to share that with others that it's not always an easy journey or a straight line. And I just felt that if I could impact one person just to live their life, be themselves, not be fearful, that was really the goal. And it really came out of coaching. And then the other part of it too is not having any mentors or sponsors that look like me. I really wanted to be that person for someone else. There's a couple of things that I'd like to unpack there because it's very interesting. You had mentioned at the top of your answer being an introvert. And I always find it so interesting when I chat with someone like you and I look at what you're doing in your career and I look at them, I said, how are they an introvert? And then when I was starting your book, I noticed you had written that you discovered recently that you were an ambivert. Yeah. And I hadn't heard that term until a couple of years ago. And I discovered that's what I am because I had always referred to myself as an introvert. I was always the kid growing up in school and I'd have my hand down. Please don't pick me. Please don't pick me because I didn't <laughs> yeah. want, and, and it lasted right up until university to the point where if I didn't get an answer out quickly in the beginning of the class, then I would begin to shrink away so that people who knew me growing up and they'd like, how on earth are you doing a podcast if you're an introvert? But I think the ambivert describes that a little bit better. So is that not that we want to give ourselves labels, but is that how you would describe yourself today? Oh, completely. And what got me out of my shell, I played sports. So I wasn't an academic in my early years. I didn't go to school until I was almost 10 years old when I came to Canada. So therefore, I shied away. My head was down all the time. Please, dear God, do not pick me. I'd freeze if I got picked. And the other thing is I played a lot of sports, played a lot of team sports, ended up being captain. So I had to go up and shake hands and introduce myself. So that got me out of my shell. But I would just you know, suck it up and be brave, right? 
The other thing is I took a job as a hostess at a restaurant called Mother Tucker's Food Experience. I, I remember Mother Tucker's. I remember yeah, that place. In yeah. Etobicoke. So, yeah. um, you know, I had to introduce myself. Hi, my name is Faith. Welcome to Mother Tucker's. Let me give you a tour. So that helped. And it didn't mean that I was less shy. It's just that I would put that aside to get the job done. Right. It's like when I played sports, just give me the ball. And I'll get the job done. And when the game's over and we celebrate, then I go back into my corner or, or, you know, my head. Right. So it really is just challenging myself to put myself out there and then getting good at it. Right. So I do public speaking. I've appeared on different shows and mediums and stuff. I've addressed whole audiences. I've done keynote speaking at convocation for over 2000 people. It's interesting, people would not believe that that's my natural tendency to be an introvert, but I know how to do extroversion really, really well, really well. So that's, yeah, um, but I'm that's, tired. I'm tired after that, right? Yeah, that's pretty evident that you know how to do it quite well. And I relate to that too. Like if there are those instances where I am engaged in it, I do need that quiet time separate. But there's something else I wanted to talk about because I think it's important as well. The second thing I wanted to look at out of your first answer was... Who did you model your writing style after? Because like you said, when you were telling these stories and people were saying, hey, this is a story you need to tell, there wasn't necessarily a lot of people in your words, like you, Mm -hmm. that were telling these stories. So how did Mm -hmm. you go about saying, here's who I'd like to kind of model my writing after, or here's who gives me inspiration for this? Okay, so I, I read quite a bit, you know, I was a slow reader initially, but then I became very interested in reading and There is an author out of South Africa called Bryce Portney. He did the Power of One series. Just love his work. Just love his storytelling from the minute details that had me picturing his childhood and growing up. And he's a white South African living close to townships and so forth. And he tells his story and the friends he made and just the lessons he learned and applied that later on in life. That really got me going. And I I read two other of his books. The other writer I like is Khalid Hosseini, the Kite Runner gentleman. I don't know if you read The Kite Runner or Seven Splendid Sons, but just the storytelling, like it took place in Afghanistan. Like I just felt like I was there. And I just felt like I understood the pain and the childhood traumas. So when I was telling my story, the key thing for me is to make the reader understand, as you alluded to prior to us recording, that there is a glossary of terms at the back because I do throw in the Jamaican patois and I wanted people to understand what it meant. But I also wanted to leave it in the authentic language that I knew at the time so that that's what you're reading. I'm not trying to Canadianize it, right? And then also I wanted to give you a little bit of history. You know, I want you to learn about Jamaica, learn about some of the culture while I tell my story. So I had goals in mind and I just felt like along the way, I just kept my own checks and balances to make sure that I had those goals covered because that's what I enjoy when I'm reading a book. So I hope that answers that question. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to ask a question about the book too, but I did want to swing back a little bit. You talked about you know, not being extroverted and some of the things you've done to overcome that. So real quick question, does it get easier for you? Is it still a tough thing and you've just learned how to do with it? Or do you genuinely maybe enjoy some of this now? I do. Like, I do enjoy some of it now, right? It does get easier. And I think that what I need, Al, I just need to make sure that I have quiet time, right? 
if I don't book that into my week or even the day, then it's just too much. My mind is just overstimulated and I just need to unpack it on my own. But I, I do enjoy, I enjoy people. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting people, but I'm not the life of the party person. I'm not going to walk into a room and tell the big, great stories. You know, when you have those big team dinners and there's someone who's telling the big story, like I'm talking to this person and that person, right? <laughs> That's what I like to do. And then I can definitely work the room, but more on an individual basis. That makes sense. Yeah, it does get easier. I mean, the more you practice anything, you know, fake it till you make it. And then you sit back and, oh my God, that was me, you know? So <laughs> I, I do that a lot. And you I feel good about it. yourself. <laughs> I still do it. Yeah. Perfect. Let's jump back into the book a little bit because you had mentioned in your previous response there that, you know, you wanted to give people a flavor of growing up and the island of Jamaica and some of the things that went on. So can you tell us a little bit about, did you do a lot of research for some of this stuff or is a lot of the book just more your own story? Mm, it's mostly my own story, but I did do research as well. And in doing my own story, I spoke to my aunt. So one of my Mom's sister is still alive. She's actually visiting this month. So she's here with me. So I had to fact check with her, <laughs> especially the parts about my mom being younger and her siblings and so forth. And good old Google, you know, I Googled quite a bit. Like I did do some research. I do have books about the Maroons as well, because I write about that. So I did have to do a lot of fact checking and researching just so I'm not called on it. <laughs> and then you know, putting incorrect information out there. But from a, a background perspective, that certainly was my own perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, in some cases, people are probably because we did recently have someone on the podcast who, who had mentioned, and they had a very interesting story as well, and that they were thinking about writing a book. And I remember them saying, you know, one of the challenges was, am I remembering some of the stuff correctly, right? And what kind of background checks do you have to go through and research to, to be able to validate what you remember? Because maybe it's not quite right. So I'm, I'm glad you shared that with us. Maybe that'll inspire again some other people as to how about go to write their own book. It's interesting though, because on that point, it certainly is your memory, right? It's either you mm -hmm. remember an older sister calling you names or beating you up and they don't remember it. So when you fact check with them, it's going to be at odds. Right. But I remember it because I remember the beating and I remember <laughs> what it did to me. So I know that it's right. So there might be instances that they were involved in where maybe it involved somebody else and all of you were observing. So you do have to look at the different points of views. So I did. I would also check with my sister. But on the points that directly impacted me that had like either a physical or emotional impact that scarred me or left some kind of memory that was my reality so i stuck with it so that's a perfect segue to the next question that we wanted to ask you because again i've, I've gone through some of the book there's some pretty what should we say descriptions about you know really vulnerable times in your life that you've written down and you've put out there for everyone to read about what made this the right time to be able to do that or what made you you know brave enough to be able to put some of this stuff down in print so that everyone could see it? Yeah. So that's a good question. Primarily, when I was younger, I kind of used the trauma as something that I did wrong. And it was a source of shame. And just something that I, you know, was too embarrassed or too ashamed to talk about. 
And I realized that people need to be, first of all, comfortable. The other thing is, sorry, I'm going back a little bit, but on the book, I do talk about exactly what I'm going to talk about for a number of reasons. I wanted people to make a decision whether they want to read that or not. In fact, I have a really good friend that said, Faith, I'm buying your book to support you because I love you. I'm not reading that shit. Like, I don't need to go back there. That stuff happened to me. I want to leave it there. It's triggering. I was actually happy she said that because I shared it for that particular reason. It's triggering. And folks are still on a journey. We're all on a different journey. So for me, my journey is to release it. It's not something I did to myself on purpose. And it's not something that I wish to wear as a badge of shame anymore. So it was selfish in me putting it out there to the world just to release it and not be so ashamed about it. But the other thing too is if it helps others in their own healing and their own journeys, I'm happy about that as well. But you have a choice. You read the back. If you decide not to read it, I'm fine with that. If you decide to read it and it's going to help you, I'm fine with that as well. So there wasn't any particular time. So in terms of the part, Al, where you asked what made this time right to do this, it was just, it's a part of my story, you know, and it's a part of how I interact and it's a part of my thought process. So even in relationships later on, it, it certainly played a big role. In my second book, I'll talk about that. I won't go into as many details on the personal graphic side type of thing, but it definitely plays a role in who you are and your confidence in your ability to stand up for yourself. So it had to be a part of the story. So I want a little bit of a follow on then. Now that you've written this book, now that it's out there, now that people have read it, has that impacted you? Has it changed you at all? Or had the change maybe, or I don't know if even if change is the right word, but were you kind of already comfortable with everything prior to writing the book? I'm never comfortable with what happens. <laughs> and it is something that definitely makes me take pause. Now that it's out there, the reactions that I'm getting are, you know, thank you for sharing. Your bravery is inspiring. I've had similar situations. It's helping me deal with it. You overcoming this has helped me, you know, so I, I've gotten that. And it's always an uncomfortable conversation, uncomfortable topic, but it just allows us to feel if you want to feel and if you want to go there, like the trauma doesn't have to be the same, but the impacts of some of these traumas, it just really helps people to verbalize it and talk about it and not knowing that it's still okay to talk about, right? So I think it's helped. It hasn't changed me at the time I put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, I was okay doing it. I was perfectly fine and I'm still fine. Al was going down a great path. So I didn't want to interrupt him, but I do want to go back to one thing. And Al has heard me say on many occasions, because I truly believe in traveling and seeing the world and experiencing people and cultures and places and foods. And one of my favorite sayings is travel is one of the few things we spend money on that make us richer. Because again, because of all those experiences. But when I pick up a book like yours, I say, this is another thing that makes you richer because you had mentioned the Maroons. Mm -hmm. That is a term I had never heard in my life up until I read that page. And now knowing that those are the people from West Africa, current day, which is Ghana. And again, I'd never, 
And I've traveled through the Caribbean extensively, and I never knew that. And I'm sure I'm not as far as Alan to your book, so I'm sure there's going to be a ton of other stuff. And I said to you, I'll be referring to the Patois at the back. I was fortunate enough to grow up with some Jamaican friends and some other Caribbean friends. So I know a little bit, but there's definitely some words in there I don't know. But it just struck me as, especially the way you write, you're taking readers on this journey and it's almost like traveling because you're experiencing learning about other culture on the way, which I think is so important for people. I just wanted to have one follow-up with what Al was asking you though, because I don't know if your answer would be the same if we go down the path of what was the most challenging part in writing it. Was it sharing those experiences or was it something more technical in actually writing a book? Because I've never attempted to write a book. So I'm curious what the most challenging part is. It's a number of things. So going through some of the trauma was really challenging. It's almost like a dark room moment where I just had to brace myself and write it. So that was really hard because I had to go there and go back to the mindset at the time and everything else. So that was extremely painful. That's difficult. In terms of writing a book itself, the challenge was telling the story and weaving it into a story and not making it be a dear diary. This is what happened today. So for me, I had to weave the story, which was the challenge and ensuring that it made sense and that it flowed. And I think I did put a caveat in the front about its its memories, right? So some of it might be a little bit disjointed or it might have happened with my Aunt Carmen versus my Aunt Vita based on my memories. But it was because I was trying to weave it into a story and a path of this child growing up. So that was a challenge. It's not just a diary entry. It really was building a story. And I'd never written before. In HR, a part of my role is to manage internal communications or even write for folks. You know, So I'm writing for CEOs and presidents and leaders and understanding what their motivations are, where they're coming from, so I can write it in their voice so that when it goes to the employees, people think it's the president that's writing it, but I've actually done it. So that's the extent of my writing, just managing communications internally within an organization. And that was actually one of the subjects that I was good at in school. So the math and sciences kind of sucked. That's why I'm not a gym teacher, because that's what I wanted to do. But I did well in English. And because I spent a lot of time listening, I listened for what worked and listened for how to communicate to make people understand. So it kind of came naturally. So when you come up with that story, I mean, I'd imagine you have a framework and then a story and then you rewrite it a couple of times. Where do you go from there? Like, how on earth do you find a publisher? Like, here's a story. Not sure if you're interested. Like, how does that even happen? Exactly. So first, I talked to a couple of people who had written books and they're like, good luck with that. (laughs) You know, here's my journey. Got feedback from them. And then I listened to a couple of podcasts on how to find a publisher And then I think there's a website, I forgot what it was called, but Canadian publishers, right? So I looked at the top 10, how do I get a publisher? You read about the hows and what I found out, which was really interesting is that a lot of publishers will not talk to you without an agent. And what you have to do is wine and dine the agent and get the agent interested in representing your book. But at the same time, figure out what other books this agent has represented to make sure it's the right genre of book that they're going to be interested in. 
So it took me forever to figure all of that out. And then you have to write something called a query, which is a short snippet, 300 words or less of what makes this book interesting to them. So the query is pretty much very similar to what's on the back of the book, right? It's got to be interesting. It's got to be punchy. It's got to make you want to read it. So figure out how to do that. Then you send out a bunch of queries and you hear radio silence. And they basically say to you, we will get back to you if we're interested within 12 weeks. So there's no communication, no, I got your email, not even an AI saying, got your query, nothing. And then after 12 weeks, you hear nothing. So then you start again. So I did that for probably about almost a year. And it's very discouraging. I mean, you, you hear about authors like J.K. Rollins, like how many people said no to her and blah, right? It's a real thing. So then in 2021, I decided I haven't looked at Black publishers. You know, maybe the story isn't resonating with the ones that I've gone to. I couldn't find any in Canada and I found some in the U.S. So I sent my query again to two organizations and one of them replied and African World Press is the publisher out of New Jersey. And that's how I got the publisher. Very cool, because I had no idea how any of that world works. So that's eye-opening that you kind of have to court, you know, the agent yeah. to to kind of yes. represent you. And then you're right. I mean, how many no's do you get and you, before you say, well, maybe I'm going to give up. So I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> and like I said, Al is further into the book because it's hard to keep up with him these days. So for someone like Al, who's going to get through your book probably this weekend, What's next? And I think you alluded to it earlier. I think you might have said there's a part two or a, a book two coming. So what can everybody yeah. expect next? Yeah, a book two. And I did take some time off this summer to focus on book two and to do more social media work and marketing around the first one, because I haven't spent as much time doing that. I did allude to in our last conversation, I've had some family trauma. Two of my sisters are extremely ill. Well, one more so than the other. So just being there for her and taking her to her treatments and blood work and all that stuff, it's been hard. I have to tell you, I haven't been as excited and motivated to write as much as I planned on doing this summer, but I'm definitely doing that. By the end of the year, I will have finished it and go through the whole publishing process. So readers can expect that because I do leave you wanting more. <laughs> there is more to the story. And I'm going to fill in those blanks and, you know, like what happened to this person? What happened to that person? So I'll do as much of that as I can. And that's the plan for this year. Well, I'm sure a lot of people will be excited to hear, you know, there's something coming next for them. Well, Faith, we have a signature question on the podcast that Al brought to the podcast many, many months ago, and I'm so glad he did. So if you're up for it, we'll let Al take it away. And I'm curious to hear your answer. Okay. Wonderful. I'm always excited. But I will say before we get to that again, great read so far. Looking forward to finishing it off. And I'm glad that we've connected and that we've been able to obviously share this podcast, but also the contents of your book, because I'm having a great time reading it. Okay, so if you're ready, here we go. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, I think for me, it's all about, and I, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's just being the best you that you can be. And I'm living proof of me just diving in and 
embracing who I am, embracing my superpowers and my natural abilities and being the best me that I can be. And I'm enjoying it. Like I'm at the stage of my life where I'm thoroughly enjoying who I am, prioritizing who I am, loving myself first and foremost over everybody else, including my daughter, and just ensuring that I'm taking care of me and my mind and encouraging folks to do that because we are more powerful than we believe or think and getting rid of the negativity as much as we can and just be good human beings. And for me, that's really, really important because I do think a lot follows and follows once you have the good intent, you know, bad things will happen. You will also do bad things, but don't live there. Like this world is crazy. Like, come on. We have just gone through a pandemic, you know, racial pandemic. We're experiencing war. We're experiencing refugees. It's a really awful place to be. So if we can control ourselves and control our agency to be good people, you know, that really is my encouragement because I just believe good things will follow in your part of the world. That's what you can control. Some of the other things you can't control. So why not control yourself to just be decent human beings, period? Yeah, I love that. And it's a great answer. And I think you hit on a couple of things. And obviously with your book and the stories you're telling, you said previously, you know, that hopefully you can inspire some people. And like you just said there, just let your kindness show through. And again, yes, it's a crazy time, but we can only do what we can do about it. So no, I think that's great. I really appreciate you sharing that and appreciate you've joined us today. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. I awesome. couldn't agree more, Al. That is a great message for us to close on. So we want to say thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at your company, your consulting? Okay. I'm on LinkedIn. And I'm also on Instagram and there's always email. So faithtell at gmail.com, Instagram. I do have an author page. It's the author FT, or you could type in, you know, just faithtell and you'll see my page pop up. But LinkedIn is probably the best way to get in touch with me. My book is available on Amazon or through direct message to me. You can save five bucks and order it directly through me because I do my own fulfilling because nice. Amazon's pricing are very interesting. But honestly, I try to stay connected as much as I can and LinkedIn would be the best place. Perfect. Well, that does it for today's episode. I think you can tell Al and I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, we hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or rejoining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. Mm-hmm.